This podcast is graphic and deals with mature subject matter. You're listening to True Crime Chronicles. For True Crime Chronicles, I'm Will Johnson. I'm here with my colleagues, Spencer Brudig and Jessica Knoll. And Spencer, before we get into today's story, I want to mention last week we talked about the case of Maggie Long uh, outside of Denver, Colorado. And we've actually heard from Noel Brennan at KUSA that tips continued to come in on that case. Yeah, no, I think with all of the cases that we have looked at, that is the end goal is as we bring more attention to some of these cases, someone will step forward or someone will remember a little detail that will be the silver bullet piece of information that allows police um, to move forward with bringing justice for the folks that are a part of these cases. Yeah, I think that public awareness is so key and families of victims know it, they realize it, uh, getting the information out there and continuing to do that in any way possible could bring answers to some of these unsolved cases. Jessica, this week we talked to Leanne Stuck. She's a reporter at WGRZ in Buffalo, New York. She's also the host of Unsolved, which covers unsolved cases in western New York. And as she got into the story we're going to talk about this week, actually other cases came to light. Yeah, well, so as she was digging into this case, there were some other cases that popped up on her radar as well in uh, western New York. And we will talk more about that. Let's get into the story of Yolanda Bendix. On August 10th, 2004, a young mother in Jamestown, New York, had some news she wanted to share with her family. She had mentioned she had something to tell them that day. But Yolanda Bendix never got the chance to share that news. The family doesn't know, obviously, what that something was. Um, they have their suspicions that because she had a doctor's appointment previously, like a week ago, that maybe it was something had having to do with a health issue or, or maybe she was pregnant, but... The family never found out what that something was. Her family never found out because August 10th, 2004, was the last time anyone would see Yolanda alive. Leanne Stuck is a reporter at WGRZ in Buffalo, New York, and the host of Unsolved, an investigative series covering unsolved crimes in western New York. She's been digging into what happened to Yolanda Bendix. She was a 25-year-old mother of four daughters in Jamestown. People tell us that she was just a bright, sweet, young woman. She was a small, little, spunky thing, is what her I remember her niece telling me. Um, she was 5'7", all of 100 pounds. She was tiny and, I guess, just had a very bright spirit. But 15 years later, the mystery about what happened to that bright spirit is one that still haunts Jamestown, New York. From being a reporter and following the details of this case, it is one that has shocked many people in Western New York. It's one that still haunts a lot of people in Western New York, especially Jamestown. Um, if you just mentioned the name Yolanda Bendix, people know the case and people know what happened. And it has a lot of interest in this area. And I know that it is heavily investigated. I know that a lot of people are very interested in what happened to this young woman. To set the stage for the story, we need to tell you about Jamestown. The city borders Pennsylvania and is just about a 30-minute drive from Lake Erie, two hours away from Niagara Falls. It is the epitome of a small town. It has about 30,000 people. Um, it is a mostly rural area, um, borders the Chautauqua Lake. It's in Chautauqua County. Um, 
not many people live there. With 30,000 people there, it's more of a rural town. And it's funny because of how Jamestown is so separated from the areas around it. Here we are in Buffalo. It's about an hour away from Buffalo. So people who want to get away from the city usually go and live in Jamestown. And if you talk to people in Jamestown, they tell you they grew up there and they stayed there and that's their home. Perhaps Jamestown's most well-known claim to fame is that it's the hometown of Lucille Ball. Lucy and Desi Museum, that's right on the corner of the main street that many people come to visit. But it was in this beautiful, rural, western New York City that Yolanda Bendix spent her last hours. She was working right in town at the Family Dollar Store. Her and one of her co-workers were locking up the Family Dollar, and it was around 8.30 at night when they closed the store. Yolanda's brother, Frank, remembers talking to her before she left work for the night. He was watching her kids at that time. She had told him that she was going to run to the store and grab some milk and that she was going to be home soon. Well, last time I talked to her on the phone, which was 8.20, she sounded like she's pretty happy. She's out of work. She's going to get some milk and come on home, you know? And that was basically, that was that. She asked me if, if she needed any food-wise around the house, I meaning food, and uh, she said she didn't cash what checks anyways for milk. But as the hours go by with no signs of his sister, Frank gets worried. As the night goes by, I could try to call her oldest daughter, Caitlin, she tried calling, she left messages, messages on the answer machine, or voicemail, and still no answer. At 1.30 in the morning, concerned and frustrated, Frank leaves another voicemail on her phone. It sounded kind of angry, but it sounded more, more worried and, and mad. But I was more worried because she never takes this long. She would at least give me a phone call. She would never be gone that long without a phone call. And it was that night that he reported her missing. And... Police came and talked to the family and called everyone. She had 10 brothers and sisters and contacted everybody in the family to see if anybody had heard from her and nobody had. The next morning, Yolanda's sister, Ann Chmielewski, gets a call at work from her sister, Margaret, telling her the news that Yolanda didn't come home the night before. So immediately, we, I, I just knew something was wrong. And I, at that time, I remember one of my supervisors walked up and asked me for something. And my look on my face must have been frantic or something. She said, what's wrong? And I told her, I said, I think my sister might be missing. And she said, well, what are you doing here? Go if you need to go. In a small city like Jamestown, a young mother just not showing up at home as planned is alarming. And police start looking for Yolanda right away. But there's no sign of her, not a trace. And Yolanda's family is convinced early on that she didn't just take off on her own. We just know in our hearts that she wouldn't just leave because her four little girls are her life. She puts those little girls before herself. She would do anything for them. But it doesn't take long for police to find Yolanda's car. Her car was found in the parking lot of an Arby's about a half a mile away from the family dollar where she was last seen. And that was huge for police because they had not found any trace of Yolanda during the immediate time of her going missing. But the location of her car and other clues give the family reason to think Yolanda wasn't just randomly snatched by someone. Her car was in a, what we thought, maybe she was waiting for somebody. And then we learned that there were cigarette butts, multiple, so she was definitely waiting, and I don't know if they ever collected those cigarette butts or not. I don't know if that would matter or not, but 
just the fact that I think we found you know somebody in the family found them and we kind of figured she, it was a plan maybe she was meeting for somebody for something we don't know right away search crews sweep through the surrounding neighborhood and there was a wooded area around that fast food restaurant and so that became the central location that search parties searched that area as news of Yolanda's disappearance and the discovery of her car gets around, Jamestown residents join in the search. Uh, we just try to stick together, and like I said, there's a lot of friends, family out there that are doing what we can to bring Yolanda home. Family, friends, strangers, so many people came through to search nearly the entire city of Jamestown as the weeks came um, for any trace of Yolanda. And... As far as the family's recollection, nothing was found um, to help the investigation at that point. But these searches were, I I just wasn't convinced that we were looking for her body. And I remember my son was, I think, nine at the time, and he, he wanted to come with me and us to look for, we didn't think her, we were thinking her stuff, something that might lead us to her. And I remember it took me a good, probably couple, few weeks, maybe a month, maybe even, before I really realized that we might be looking for a body and my son probably shouldn't be coming out of search. The trail stays cold. There's no sign of Yolanda. Yolanda is a very dear sister, mother, daughter, aunt, and friend. Her four children mean the world to her. But here's where the case takes its first odd turn. It involves one of Jamestown's own police officers. He was a Jamestown police officer, and her family tells me that Yolanda had a crush on this cute police officer who was Michael Watson. And the two of them had a romantic relationship. She had a crush on this cute cop, and it ended up being Mike. She always said he was hunky duty. <laughs> I guess what we've learned is that they would occasionally maybe meet up and, you know, I guess maybe fool around, have their little relationship thing going on. And that was really about it. I don't think really any of us knew anything about that, really. Um, I don't know much further about him personally in regards to um, being on the police force. Um, but we do know that they were having a romantic relationship at the time that she disappeared. Aware that Watson is romantically involved with Yolanda, Jamestown police take action against Watson. He was put on administrative leave because they did not become aware of it until about a week into the search of her and the investigation into her disappearance. They did not immediately come out and say he was a person of interest, but he was one of the first people that they interviewed in connection to this, yes. WGRZ reporters asked Jamestown police about the connection to Watson. When this came forward at this time in 2004. Um, as a reporter in a news station, our news station immediately took that information to the police department. We questioned the police department about it, asking if that could have tainted the investigation because Michael Watson was assigned to her disappearance case. And the police department immediately said that this did not taint the investigation and they had no evidence of tainting the investigation because of Michael Watson's involvement. It kind of went a little bit further as they began to look into Officer Michael Watson. Um, he later was charged with 
other harassment and stalking charges, I believe, um, in connection with other women that were not related to this case. But he was never charged in the disappearance of Yolanda Bendix. Another name enters the picture in that first week. Clarence Cart, also known as Carl, was the father of Yolanda's youngest daughter, um, who she previously had a romantic relationship with. Clarence was seen at a gas station that was right near the family dollar on the day that Yolanda disappeared. And they were able to arrest him, and they searched his vehicle. But ultimately, with no evidence, it's another dead end. The following month, in September 2004, rains from Hurricane Katrina sweep through western New York. There was heavy rainfall that came through Jamestown, really, really hard rain, and it actually flooded out the drain system. As water rushes down the streets of Jamestown, a resident finds a discarded and soggy purse. He immediately suspected that it could be hers, and they contacted police, and it did end up becoming her purse, her wallet, and her keys. And so that was the first sign of Yolanda that they had after all these search parties for a month. September 2006. It's two years since Yolanda Bendix disappeared. About 30 miles outside of Jamestown, two hunters make a discovery. A discovery that Yolanda's family had feared since the very early days of the search. Hunters were walking through state land in the town of Charlotte. And they found her remains. And obviously the hunters immediately called police. And they were able to make a positive identification to Yolanda Bendix because of dental records. An autopsy indicates blunt force trauma is the cause of death. Part of me, I used to have doubt. Not doubt, but just... You didn't want to believe. You know, yeah, I kind of thought, well, what if they're just saying that it's her just to keep us, you know, to... Not shut us up, but to make us feel good or something. I don't know. But I, I guess that's kind of well, maybe silly to feel that way. But the discovery of Yolanda's body doesn't reveal any more evidence to help solve the case or lead investigators down a path. And Yolanda's family is left empty-handed again. How could you do something like this? Like, how could you just cold-bloodedly, you know, take someone's life? Uh, you know, I don't, it, I don't care the reason, you know, it's just... It didn't hurt, just hurt. It hurt, it hurt so many people for the rest of our lives. Just a brutal, hateful person. It's been a long time since Yolanda was last seen alive. A long time that her kids have gone without a mother. There's never been a suspect named in the connection to her disappearance. Fifteen years later, they still do not know what happened to her or who did it. Um, They tell me they are constantly in contact with the police department about this case just to see if there's been any new leads or anything developing in the case. But since her remains were found, not much has changed. But Yolanda's sister Anne and her niece Cynthia Bendix aren't giving up on finding justice for Yolanda. And they think there's a reason why people who know what happened aren't talking. I think a lot of people in Jamestown know a lot more than they're willing to say. And I do want to reiterate that there is thousands of dollars in reward money still. That's the main thing is money talks. You can get out of Jamestown if you're afraid. 
but I really, truly, I, I do research quite regularly. I follow up and I keep, I try to keep records of everything. If somebody did it and somebody was there and saw what happened or has knowledge of what happened and are afraid to say something, you know, there's so many ways to keep it anonymous. There's money that can help you get away from if you feel like you're in danger and not wanting to say anything. You know, there's help. Yolanda's father died five years after she went missing. And then last year, her mother, Patricia, died unexpectedly. But my mom dying last year completely unexpectedly and her not getting that closure gives me way motivation. I want to go talk to people if I could. I'd question them if I could. Patricia was a part of every aspect of bringing justice for Yolanda. She was at every search. She was doing interviews, any opportunity she could to try and figure out what happened to her daughter. And talking with Yolanda's sister and Yolanda's niece, they said that it was just devastating for them to know that her, her mother never found out what happened to her or who did it. Because I have some ideas, too, and I, I, I kind of think I know who might know something and who I would like to talk to, but I'm afraid to say anything myself. I think the family are is just hoping that either somebody comes forward with new information, um, just as police hope as well. Um, who knows whether new DNA evidence could ever help this case. But from speaking with Yolanda's family, I know and I'm certain that they will never give up. So any opportunity that ever presents itself to solve this case, they absolutely will take it. WGRZ's Leanne Stuck has spent a lot of time learning about Yolanda's story. And along the way, she's learned about other cases, other women who've gone missing in Western New York State. From my research, since 1988, um, four women have gone missing and all of their cases are very similar. We've got Kathy Wilson, which was in 1988. Nine, in 1988, um, Lori C. Bova, which was in 1997, Yolanda Bendix, who we're talking about now, which is in 2004, and Corey Anderson, which was in 2008. And they were all young women around the same age who went missing. And many people in Jamestown um, are get very uncomfortable and nervous when you talk about these cases because it makes them nervous that there is murderers that are walking around the small town. To be clear, there's no indication that these cases are connected. Police have not come out saying that they are connected. It is just very eerie that there are four different women, four different cases, all very similar around the same time. Maybe there's something about the fear that Yolanda's sister Anne talks about. And maybe there's still someone who could come forward and help solve the mystery of Yolanda Bendick's murder and lead police to a killer. I feel like we were so robbed of so much and her children, like they really got robbed the most. I mean, I lost my sister, but I can't imagine if I was a little girl losing my mom. All right, so as in so many of our cases, the family of Yolanda Bendix still looking for answers and no suspects have been named. Spencer, I know you worked on this story uh, with Jessica doing the research and along with Leanne Stuck at WGRZ in Buffalo. Regarding Michael Watson, the police officer that we mentioned at the beginning, despite sort of that early 
weird kink that he was romantically involved with Yolanda, or it seemed to be, uh, he was never connected to anything having to do with her disappearance, right? Yeah, Michael Watson was never charged with anything in connection to Yolanda Bendix. And Jessica, just to mention once again, the other cases that have come to light that people are talking about in western New York, not connected to Yolanda Bendix as far as we know. Right. As far as we know, the the other cases have no connection to Yolanda's case. Um, but, you know, when you listen to these stories and, and you hear of other uh, missing women, it's hard not to imagine that they might be connected, but there's no evidence that they are at this point. And it's clear that after a really long period of time since this happened in 2004, this story still resonates with people in Jamestown. As we've described, it's a small town. People know each other and they worry about how this happened and if there is someone living among them that could be responsible, right? Right, and I think that's a that's a natural fear, especially in a small town like Jamestown, that could this happen to them, could this happen again? Without someone being behind bars for this, that person's still out there somewhere, whether it's in their community or not. All right, Jessica Spencer, thanks so much for joining us. We will be back next week with a new case and a new story. True Crime Chronicles is a Vault Studios production. You can tell your friends to listen, subscribe, rate, and review our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all major listening apps. Jessica, where can people find us? You can find Vault Studios on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back next week and every week with a new episode and a new case.